I want Thrive to be the church known on the planet for being passionate for people. Yeah. Yeah. Not for any religious doctrine, because you know what? I might say something you don't agree with. But that's okay. You'll say something I don't agree with, and I'm not going to dislike you for it. Now, if all of a sudden you say that Jesus is not the Savior in the way to heaven, we might have a problem, Houston. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, if you don't agree with maybe some stance that I stand on the Holy Spirit that you might not agree with, that's a doctrinal stance. Just go back to the playbook and look at Jesus first and allow the Holy Spirit to keep your heart in the place that it needs to be. And because we have people in this church who are Pentecostal, we have people in this church who are Baptist, and we have all the in-betweens. Because that's one end of the spectrum to the another. But, but I like that about this church because it shows that Democrats and Republicans can really get along. <laughs> How it used to be. You know, I remember years ago, and uh, I don't know, I guess it was Reagan's first term. In his second term, I was in the United States Army. In his first term, I was uh, sitting in California at at my house and I'm chilling with my grandmother. Uh, well, actually, it was her house. I just happened to live with her. And I'm chilling there. And uh, Reagan gets on the television. And they have a thing with him at the White House. And he was drinking a beer. Yeah, the president, drinking a beer on television with Tip O'Neill, who was the lead Democrat at the time. When have you ever seen a Democrat and a Republican even drinking a glass of water together? You know? But that's when we could get along. And, and the thing is, is we need to be able to agree to disagree on certain things, and we should be okay with that and not be haters. The problem is the world has gone crazy. You know, what is, what is wrong now is right. What, what was evil is now good. You know, how can you go against a group of people who doesn't want to steal, doesn't want to uh, covet somebody else's stuff, and who just wants to love their neighbor as themselves. How can you go against a group of people who wants to bring that to the world? Yeah. See, people who say, we don't want to kill. But now we have a society that's like, well, it's okay to kill, you know, like Christians and, you know, uh, Jews. I mean, that just happened, what, in, in uh, Pennsylvania? Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh? Okay. And see, it just happened there. And... and it's, it's like some people think that's okay. They're, that's not okay. I don't believe it's okay for Christians to go to abortion clinics and kill people there either. I think that's wrong. I don't believe in abortion, but I just don't believe we need to be killing people either. Two wrongs don't make a right. Grievance denied. Welcome to Thrive. I'm excited you're here. I'm excited to be here. Amen? Yeah. Don't just survive what we do. We thrive. And we do it how? Grow, develop, succeed. We're growing a kingdom. I'm telling you, that's what it's about. That's what life is about. Life is about growing a kingdom. And as we're growing a kingdom, what are we doing? We're developing our character. And we have to have our character developed because, because I'll tell you, people are looking at you and I. They're seeing who we are. You know, you call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a believer. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people don't even like to use those terms anymore because there's, there's like a, a bad taste in people's mouths with it. What I try to do is I try to show people by my actions who I am. And usually I don't tell anybody I'm a pastor. Usually the way they find out is somebody else will tell them. And I, because I, I, I try not to do that because all of a sudden when they say, oh, you're a pastor, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cuss. You know, look, it's not between me and you. 
It's between you and God. If you've got a problem, then, then you take care of it with God. Don't take care of it with me. I, I'm not upset with you. You just be you. Yeah. People just start getting weird, you know, and I'm not about weird. I'm about relationship because if you get weird out, around me, I can't have a relationship with you, and if I can't have a relationship with you, then I can't speak into your life. Yeah, that's so true. The apostle Paul was not weird, and he was just down to earth. As a matter of fact, he was a cusser. He said dung, and you all know what that means, right? Well, I'm not going to say it in, in here because people get crazy. Anyway, so then we develop our character. Then after that, we do what God has called us to do, and that's how we succeed. Grow, develop, succeed. And we do what God's called us to do in a local church and in our community. Amen? Amen. Well, the past couple weeks now, this will be the, our third message on common questions. And it's funny because just this week I was talking to a lady, and we actually talked about this subject without me presenting the subject. I was like, man, praise God. You know, we're going in the right direction. But it's about heaven. A lot of people have questions about heaven. Now, I'm going to give you the answers that I've come up with. And I'm not going to tell you that they're all right, but they're as right as far as I know. Okay? And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, in verse 11, it says, He has also set eternity into the uh, human heart. So what that means is God has sown the seed of knowing the end from the beginning into the heart of man. So we want to know what the end is going to be of this life and the life after. He set that in every man's heart, not just the Christian. Because if you talk to anybody, even if they don't believe in God, they have some sort of idea what they think is going to happen. Some people think that they're going to be come back as an elephant, a fruit fly, something. Princess Diana, I don't know. They just think they're going to come back as something. Some people, you know, they, they believe it's an annihilation. I mean, it's, it's over, it's over. I mean, everyone has a belief. So God has set into every man's heart the desire to know eternity. You know, one of the questions a lot of people ask about he heaven is this, is are my pets going to be there? Well, to be honest with you, I don't know. What? Because it doesn't say. It says there'll be animals, but it doesn't say whether or pets or not. I hope so. I'd like to see the pets that have gone on, you know, that we've had. I mean, because they were just really cool pets, and I think God's a really cool God, and he just might grant that. But I can't tell you that for sure. Another thing is, is uh, the question is, and I get this a lot, and usually women, usually when I tell them this, they get upset with me. Will I be married in heaven? And I tell them no. What? Yeah, no. Because when I have taken a look in the New Testament, Jesus said in the resurrection there is neither marriage or anyone given in marriage. Oh, well, that's just... Listen. If he said that, that means he has something better. Okay? He's not going to say that and say, oh, well, I'm sorry, this is just going to really stink for you. No, he said that he is the bridegroom. We are the bride. Now we're going to know each other, and we're going to and all that stuff, and we're going to be cool. But you know, you're thinking, oh man, oh, oh, well, no, no, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. All right. You know, another thing is Tom and Jerry, and I say this quite a bit, have ruined my generation at least, because in my generation, and you can see this, people post this stuff on uh, Facebook even. Oh, at least they got their wings. There's a God's a little angel. No, he didn't create you to be an angel. 
He didn't create angels to be in the image and likeness of himself. He created us to be. See, there are no wings coming to you. There is no harp coming to you. And you don't have your own cloud. That's just not biblical. Amen? Another problem people have with wanting to go to heaven is they think they're going to end up in church. And from going to a lot of churches, I understand why. But that's not what it's going to be. It's going to be greater than any church or any church service that you've ever been in. It'll be the best experience ever, and it will continually be that way. See, we need to understand some things. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, in the New Living Translation, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know. So we want you to know something, right? We want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. So God wants to give us some hope here, right? It says, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So in other words, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back with a posse. And his posse just so happens to be your family, your friends, the people, your loved one who's gone on to be with him. So he's coming back with them. Da, 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 right? Then it says, we, will, or we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. And all that means is the ones who've gone first are coming back with him, the posse. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet uh, call of God. So when you hear a trumpet, get ready. Matter of fact, get ready now because it might be too late to get ready. You know, we were talking, what, I think it was yesterday I, I'd come in here. And as a matter of fact, the uh, meeting that they had here was phenomenal. It was. The ladies were just fired up. I mean, there were so many different speakers that were there. T.D. Jake's uh, daughter was one of them. I mean, just all kinds of speakers. I mean, it was great just to hear the passion uh, that came from that meeting. And, and, we were, and I was talking to some people in the back, and I said this pretty much the same thing about the trumpet. I said, Gabriel's going to hand me the trumpet and let me blow. <laughs> Man, that would be cool. So anyway, now that's not doctrine or anything. I just want that to happen. It says, first, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. This is where a lot of people get confused. Because people say, well, I thought to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. It is. Well, then this is contradicting uh, Scripture. No, it's not. This is referring to the spirit and the soul coming back together with the body that gets turned into the new body, the new resurrected body, the body that is supposed to be transformed, and it's when those two things come together. That's what that's talking about. So Scripture does not contradict itself. People just don't know how to explain that. Then... Together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage one another with these words. So in other words, we're supposed to be encouraging people about heaven, about what's going to take place. Because for the believer, no matter what's going on in the earth, it's not going to affect you unless you give it place in your life. Don't do it. So... 
a lot of people have always asked, where do I go as a believer? And, and the best example would be the two thieves that are on the cross with Jesus. You know, there's three crosses there. And one of them mocks Jesus, but the other one doesn't. The other one gives him some respect. And he says this in Luke 23, 42 and 43. It says, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. The word paradise there is a temporary place. You know in the, where it says, in my house are many mansions? I'm going to bust some of your theology right now. You do not have a mansion. What that actually means is a temporary place of paradise that he's created until Jesus returns and then the new heaven and the new earth come together. That's what he's talking about, okay? And, and it's easy. You know, you can write me bad letters. You can do whatever you want to do. Just look it up, read it. It's, it's, it's truly there when you study it out. So we have a place that we're going to chill until eternity. Revelation 21.1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And this is where heaven and earth are connected in some way. And I, I, I'm not really 100% sure how it's connected. And when you do a study on uh, the, the, city, the new Jerusalem, it's also called the city of heaven or the heavenly city, the holy city. It has different na names. So it's possible that the, the new Jerusalem could be heaven on earth. And that's a possibility. There's different theories, different, you know, there's different theories about the rapture, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. And which one do you believe, Pastor Rick? All of them. Why? Well, because there is scripture that shows in the beginning of Revelation, it talks about the church, then all of a sudden the, the, the church is not really mentioned anymore, and you see the, these people in front of a great, the great sea of people worshiping God, and it's assumed that that's the church. And then when you see the 144,000 for the next 42 months, and then after the 42 months, you see them in front of that same throne. So, so you have a pre and a mid. Well, what about post? Well, everybody knows somebody's gonna, something's going to happen at the end. And there's going to be some people who endure to the end. Well, what about me? Well, just believe that he's coming for you on the first boatload. <laughs> he said he's coming for those who are looking for him, so just look for him. And be happy about it. You know, I used to say this when I, when I was younger. I used to say, well, Lord, you know, if I could just be one of the 144,000. I thought about, no, I don't want to be one. I want to go first. Amen. You know, well, what if the people in your house don't, don't go first? Well, I'll be shouting for them in the stands. Come on, come on. <laughs> but they're coming. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So I believe this. I believe God's original plan for man is his eternal plan. What does that mean? He created the earth for man. He created us to live on the earth. And so you're not going to be in some cloud playing your harp. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. No, 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 no. You're not going to be doing that. He didn't create you to do that. Now, we will worship him. And I'm not saying we're not going to. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying, he created us for another purpose. And what he created us for is his eternal plan. And within this new earth that there's going to be, there's going to be what? This holy city, this heavenly city. And that's where Jesus is going to dwell. And he's going to dwell in that city. And from that city, he's going to light up the entire world. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Okay? And that's actual, we could say, solid word. 
Now, the theories behind the tribulations, that, that's not all solid. We have, to, we have to work through some of that. You know, people think they have the answer. Some, they might, they might not. So, what does the Bible say about heaven? It's a good question. Number one, heaven is a real place. It's not a fairy tale. It's not Never Never Land. It's, not, it's, it's a tangible, physical place. Well, Pastor, how do you know? Okay. The city, talking about the city of heaven, laid out, it, uh, was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the, with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide as it was long. So in other words, a stadia is about 12,000 stadia is about 1,400 miles. So it's a 1,400-mile cube. That's what this, this city's going to be, this place that we're going to be traveling back and forth where Jesus lives. It's gonna, the streets are going to be, the gold is going to be so pure, it's going to be transparent. It, it talks about the, the, the pillars, the gates, uh, are solid pearl. I mean, it's just so beautiful. You know, you think of a pearl and you want to put it into a safe. God thinks of a pearl and he looks at a gate. You think of gold and you want to put it on bling somewhere. God looks at gold and he thinks of asphalt. Okay? But, but it's, it's just so beautiful. So the next thing, not only is it a real place, heaven is a right place. Well, what do you mean? Oh, good question. There's going to be no sin, no sickness, no disease, no poverty, no lack of any kind. No global warming, no politics, no wars, no light bills, thank you, Jesus. Because he gives off the light. So in other words, it's a perfect place. It's the right place. It's perfect. Revelation 21 forces this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. In other words, we're going to have a new way to live. We're not going to live by credit cards and all this other rules and regulations that these unholy governments set up. We're going to have a new way to live. And the way that we're going to have to live is going to be relational. We're going to live the way God created. You know, I don't think, I don't think that God created the weed eater. Why? Well, I think God spoke everything into existence or out of existence. And I think we're going to have to learn how to act like God if we're in the created in the image and likeness of God. But then again, there's probably going to be no weeds. So we'll probably have no need for a weed eater because weeds were a curse of the earth and they still are, amen. Okay. The next thing is this, is heaven is a relational place. And what's so cool is it's going to be a great reunion that you're going to have with family and friends, with loved ones. But what about the ones who don't go? I've had people ask me that, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I don't think we'll be thinking about them, but I don't know. It doesn't really tell me one way or the other, but, but I think we're going to be so caught up in the moment, and we're going to be so caught up in who is that. Matter of fact, there's going to be people there that you thought weren't going to be there. Amen. Yeah, and that is awesome. And matter of fact, today, there's probably going to be some people there that you wish would never show up there. But they had the same revelation of Jesus that you have 
They might have been all jacked up and messed up and did a bunch of messed up things, but, but God got a hold of their heart some way. They got a revelation. They accepted Jesus, and they get the same payment as you. I am so glad we don't get what we deserve. Revelation 21.3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So God wants to have a relationship with us. I mean, that's what he just said right there. He wants to spend time with us. Revelation 22.2, On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. So there's going to be some type of seasons. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I love this word nations right here. The Greek word is ethnos. So that means there's going to be ethnic groups in heaven. And there's going to be a healing of the ethnic groups because he has no... He has no... Uh, a thought pattern of one ethnic group above another. Amen. We are all created equal. Amen. 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 And so when I take a look at that, I'm thinking, man, you know, if we can get that across to the church now, we can start working on it now, we might start getting some denominations working together. Amen. Okay. The next one is this, is heaven is a rewarding place. Revelation 22, 12, it says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. So when Jesus comes, he's bringing some prizes. Yeah, there's going to be some door prizes. Y'all going to be like, wow! You know, woo! And rewards here in the Greek defined, it means this, to be repaid for a work. He wants to repay you for a work that he's called you to do. You might not deserve it, but because you went ahead and did what he called you to do and didn't do it your own way, he, and, and you got the right heart about it, he's got some prizes for you. <laughs> and that's cool. I mean, that, I mean, that's awesome. And that just shows you he's God because he's always giving us things we don't deserve. We don't deserve mercy. We don't. Well, I haven't done as much as such and such has done. No, but you know... You can't tell me you didn't want to kill that person that ran you off the road. You know, you might not have said it. You might have held it in pretty tight. But you know what? And, and I, I'm not saying anybody's going to get Alzheimer's. But we really find out who people are when Alzheimer's comes around. Because that really nice woman in church or that really nice man in church doesn't seem to be as nice. That's because they held all this stuff in and now they're letting it out. It's true. I hate to say that, but it's true. And it's like, man, they weren't like that. Well, they weren't on the outside, but on the inside, they needed a cleansing. And that's because every single one of us did. <coughs> so we can't just look at other people, oh, I didn't do what they did. If you've done something in your heart, you've done it in front of God. Amen? All right. So uh, let's see. Oh, and also, uh, what is it? Hebrews 11.6 uh, tells us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we are diligently seeking him and doing what he has asked us to do, he's going to be a rewarder. And, and I'll tell you what, what's going to be, and this is what's so cool. I don't think that in heaven, when you get your rewards and everything like that, I do not believe that you're going to show off your badge and say, oh, look at 
me. You know? See, I don't think it'll be a prideful thing. I think it'll be a humble thing. I think, I think it will humble us. We'll be very humble like we know we didn't deserve it. It's just like being an equal heir or a joint heir with Christ Jesus. It's a humbling thing. You know, it's not a bragging thing. It's, it's a, I'm, now, I'm bragging, but I'm bragging on God because he did something I couldn't do. He made me an equal heir with Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't deserve that. I'm just some low worm. No, you're not a low worm. You got born again. That low worm has passed away. Behold, the Bible says, all have become new. Uh, so you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Matthew 16, 27, it says this, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. You know, heaven in and of itself is a great motivator, but man, just think. He says, I want to motivate you a little bit more, not just with heaven, but you keep doing what you're doing, and you're going to get some prizes along the way. Not just a little attaboy, oh, you did that, boy, you know, not just that. He's going to give you something along the way, and that's just amazing. But this, what it does is this motivator helps guide us into living right. See, we need a motivator to live right. Because just living, just because you read the Bible doesn't mean you're going to live right. But when you start focusing on the motivators in the Bible, and start getting them in your heart, the provision, the promises, and all the good things of God in your heart. It's the goodness of God that causes men to repent. So it's going to be the goodness of God that causes you to change your mind, because that's where repentance starts. It's a change of mind, and when you change your mind, you change your direction. So it's these goodness, and th these are the motivators. And it'll cause us to start living in eternity. Titus 2, 11 uh, through 13 in the New Living Translation. Or it's the No Lying Translation. It says NLT, I don't know. For the grace of God has been, get, uh, has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful, sinful pleasures. So what he's telling us to do is he's telling us, listen, the, the word of God is telling us to not walk the wrong way. See, sin in and of itself does not mean the nasty, vile things that people do. Sin can be a good thing that you do but you're doing not a God thing. So you're walking in a direction and you feel that you're doing a God thing because you're helping people, but God didn't call you to help those people. He called you to do this over here. So basically that's sin because you're walking in the wrong path. Wow, and it got awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> so what I'm saying is this. As we're doing things that we believe are for God, let's check our heart to make sure it's from God. Because if it's not from God, you're going to get tired, you're going to get wore out, you're going to get burned out, you're going to get frustrated with that ministry. But when you're doing something for God that God has called you to do, all of a sudden you plug into God and you're plugging into His grace, which is His power, His ability, working in you and through you to give you power and ability that you cannot do in your own. Now that's good. And when you get that power, you get that ability, now when even if you, if you have to stay up all night doing something or 37 hours or something like that doing something, you're just not tired because you're resting in the Lord. You're able to maintain. I remember years ago, and I've said this, uh, it's been a little while since I've said this, but years ago here at this church uh, sometime in the beginning when I started here, I guess about nine years ago, uh, the Holy Spirit asked me to fast for three days. Or, so I'm sorry, seven days. And so um, I felt, okay, I'll do that. And I told the church, let's all fast together. But God didn't tell me to tell the church to all fast together.
And I don't think anybody fasted with me, but that's okay. Um, and what happened was the first three days of the fast, and it, and it was a no food fast whatsoever. It was just all, all liquid, just no coffee. You know, it was just, just that pure water stuff, you know. You know what I'm talking about. On the third day when, when uh, Jesus rose, I kind of came to myself. And what happened was the Holy Spirit showed me that I wasn't hungry. And now I've fasted multiple times. I've even done 40-day fasts before, and I've fasted multiple times, but there's never been a time on the third day when I wasn't hungry. I mean, I'm usually hungry by lunchtime, you know. I mean, that's just the truth. By the fifth day, I still am realizing for the whole seven days, I never got hungry one time. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, we don't need to live by bread alone. He said, if we trust in him, in his word, he can keep us wherever we're at. He is our creator. So what that means is if you get stuck somewhere on a deserted island, don't worry about it. God could still keep you, I guess. But what that means is it gives me trust in the Lord in everything that I do. That I don't have to say, oh, man, you know, it's, it's, oh, it's 5 o'clock. I'm starting to get hungry. No, I don't need to worry about that. Let me just trust in him. And the more I trust in him and stuff like that, then I'll eat when it's time to eat. You know, I start putting more faith and more trust and more, you know, um, thought into him. And now if you can start trusting him to not be hungry, you know, people who are hungry rob people. You won't be a robber. Let's say you get captured by the Taliban in Afghanistan. If you can so trust him, even if they didn't feed you right, even if they whipped you, even if whatever... He can keep you in every situation. When I was in Southern California, I was a youth pastor there for about five, five and a half years. And um, we were at this church, and it was a real wild church. I mean, wild. Uh, this one guy was talking about demons, and he was teaching on them and everything. And, and you know, and, and I mean, I didn't know a lot about spiritual realms and stuff and didn't know if I believed it. Was unsure about that. Well, I was the youth pastor slash associate and I get into the car with Leah and these people come out because the pastor was gone, this guy was teaching and, and I was just going to let this guy shut the church, you know, up, lock the church up. These people, Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick, you got to come back to the church quick. Leah looks up at me and she goes, oh no, you're not. Because <laughs> she knows once I start talking to somebody, I might start talking on Sunday, and we, we're still there Tuesday, right? I mean, it's a long time. So she gets up. She goes in there, and now she's running out of the church. Get in there now! So I get up, you know, and I start walking in there. Well, there was this young lady who we had led to the Lord in another church. She's about 15 years old, probably about 105, 110 pounds maybe. And, uh, and my buddy Bob, he's probably about three... 320, his wife is about two-something. I'm not going to say because she's probably listening. Um, but they, th- this girl was, like, moving them like they were nothing. And so I got on an arm. Leah got on an arm. Bob got on a leg. Sharon got on a leg. And this girl's still moving. And her eyes were gray. And she went back. I mean, I was waiting for her head to turn around, green soup to come out. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I was freaking out, you know. But I realized that day that there is a spiritual realm out there, and people can give into the spiritual realm. But let me let me qualify this: 
just because you think something's going on or you think doesn't mean it's they're demon possessed, okay? Because after stuff like that, people start chasing demons everywhere. They start, oh, it's in the doorknob. You know, it's in this. Oh, it's in that. We got we to gotta go chase the demon. No, no, no. I, I, out of 20, this will be my 25th year of ministry that we're going into. In August, it'll be 25 years of completed pastoral ministry. And I've probably had uh, five or less encounters of something demonic in my life. Okay? And, and you got to realize, I'm running into this uh, field a lot more than most people here, if not everybody here. And I've only ran into it five times. I've had... There was one time it was Anthony LaVey, Anton LaVey's son. I ran into him in California, and they wanted me to do an exorcism on him. I'm like, good thing I was working for the railroad. I called somebody else. Uh, I mean, and the only reason why they called me to be a part of that was because they knew I was involved in another situation, that situation I was talking about, so they knew I've experienced it. But just because I experienced it doesn't mean I knew really anything about it. It takes some time. And so just don't go out chasing people. I don't know how, why I ran on that, but that was just good. So it goes on to say, it says, we should live in this uh, evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day, the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. And see, that's what we have hope for. We have hope in that he's going to be revealed in that glorious day. Amen. Okay, so now what I want to do is I want to give you a few things on um, how to help you chase eternity. See, now we got some things about eternity. You need to, you need to chase your de destiny. The first thing you need to do is refocus your energy. And that's what you have to do. You have to refocus. And the thing is, is if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll be focusing on the eternal instead of the temporal. You have to focus on eternity, and that's what we need to do. Um, you, what we should do is take the natural things we have and use them for kingdom things. Huh? Take stuff that you have, like say I have a fifth wheel camper. Take the stuff I have and get with other people who have fifth wheel campers and motorhomes and things like that. And why don't we just all get together uh, and maybe bring some church people together and all get together and use the stuff that we have to get together for fellowship at a campground, sing kumbaya, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Use the stuff that we have, the natural stuff we have, for kingdom stuff. <coughs> Finances that we have in, in the bank. And it's okay to have stuff, just don't let stuff have you. <laughs> See, I think what happens is people become uh, spiritual hoarders. They hoard up all this natural stuff when they could be getting blessed spiritually by using the natural stuff. We become hoarders. We need to, we need to stop that. Matthew uh, 6, 19 and 20 it says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So use what you have for the kingdom of God. Don't be a spiritual hoarder. 2 Corinthians 4.18 so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So don't fix your eyes on where you're at. Fix your eyes on where you're going. Yeah, that is good. Because if you do fix your eyes on where you're going, where you're at doesn't matter. See... 
The unseen realm is the seen realm of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not seen. So when you see it by faith, it might be unseen to everybody else, but you are not worrying about anything else because you see the answer. When I came here, Stacy was saying there was about 16 people. God told me to buy a house. Everybody thought I was crazy. But I said, if God told me to be here, God's going to take care of me. And if people don't know that I have skin in the game, they're going to think that I'll just get up and leave anytime. So what I did is I bought a house that I probably couldn't afford after I left my job to come here, but just trusted God was going to provide, and he did. Nine years later, we still own that house. Woo! Nine years later, my mom is coming to buy a house. On Thursday, I'm going there to the inspection. So, I mean, we are moving forward. You know, I'll I'll tell you, Southern California was a great place. I used to be proud to say I was from Southern California. I mean, I did. It's, It's beautiful as far as, like, you know, the beaches, and but the beaches are even getting trashed. But, I mean, just beautiful. I, I could be at my house. I can surf that morning, take a shower, get breakfast, go out to the desert a couple hours, ride uh, ATVs and just do all kinds of stuff, and then say, you know what, I'm just going to take another little drive up the mountain and go skiing that night. It's the only place I know that you can do all those things in one day. So I thought I was in heaven. But then all of a sudden it started to get corrupt. I mean, it's not that it wasn't corrupt, but it wasn't like it is. I mean, God really was moving and doing some great things in California when I was a kid. There was a lot of really cool things that happened. Calvary Chapel was a great organization. I mean, when it all started and everything, I mean, it really was. I'm not saying it's not now. It's just a lot of different things have happened. Other churches have come up, a lot of, a lot of great things. But, but in that time... We started putting politicians in office that really didn't belong. Starting to let things happen that are, shouldn't happen, and, it, and it's horrible. And I'm not going to say that it, it won't happen here, but right now, here, we have a foothold. We have a strength. We have, it's strong right now. And there might be a time when everything turns around and it, it's, it's all hell here, but guess what? We have that hope, even if it turns. See, he's called some people to be in California. You might not be one of them, but you might be. But he's called some people to be in Sudan. He didn't call me there. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, didn't call me to be in Texas. And see, people told me that was the holy city. But um, Tennessee, it's a beautiful place. Amen? Don't try, to, don't try to look beyond where you're at as far as... Um, and I'd like to retire here. Look beyond where you're at to where God is, and then he will put a place in your heart. He will put a region, an area, something in your heart. If, if an evangelist has to tell you that, you that you're called to Africa, take him with you because you need to know when it's time to come back. <laughs> God needs to tell you in your heart where you're called to do. My mission field is Greenville, Tennessee. That's my mission field. Hey, but you're not from around here. Maybe that's why it's my mission field. 
But if you're called here, this is your mission field too. We're called together, amen? So, brings me to number two. After you refocus, reach people. See, why? We learned last week, people matter. That's a big thing right there. And, and when I say reach people, I'm not saying steal sheep. I'm saying make babies. Now, if there's sheep that come from another flock to come over here because they're called to, so God can give us some skilled laborers, that's fine. But that's not who I'm looking for. If they come, that's great. I'm looking for those babies to get born again so we can impart life into them. If the nursery is not growing, we're not growing. And if we're not building spiritual babies, we're not going to grow a kingdom. That's what Thrive's about. We're about reaching people. And you can only do that by creating new life and then developing their lives. Jude one twenty two and 23, it says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. Why? Because God is interested in people. We need to be snatching people out of the fire. There's people you work with, people you go to school with, people that you see in Walmart, people you eat at restaurants. They're going into a fire. And if you really care about them, you're not going to hit them over the head with the next Bible scripture or verse or tell them they're going to hell. You're going to show them the very love of God to give them a chance to repent. See, I've been in the Word of Faith movement for a long time. And the biggest problem we've had in the Word of Faith movement is this. We were so busy trying to get the intellectual Word of God, we stopped going after babies And what we did is we tried to just be so educated. So instead of being this real educated people, I'll have some education going along in my small groups, and then we'll go out after babies here on Sunday. Now, when we go out after babies on Sunday, I'm still going to give you stuff that you can use for everyday life. Because that's how you go out after babies, because they have to see something practical that they can do, that they can put to use, but so do we. Do you know the, the Bible says this? It's by the milk of the word we grow. It doesn't say it's by the meat. Oh, I've got to leave God. There's no meat. Okay. But is there any milk where you're going? Because if there's no milk where you're going, you're not going to grow. You're going to get prideful. You're going to think you're smarter than everybody else, that you're better than everybody else, and nobody knows anything but you. The reason why the milk is so important is because it keeps us humble. That's the truth. It keeps us in that position to where we can be pliable by God. In the last chapter of the Bible, God ends with a plea. In Revelation twenty-two seventeen, he said, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of water, of the water of life. So we need to reach the lost at all costs because people matter. Until we get that people matter, we're not going to be reaching the lost. We have to get this. And there's so many people, you know, been in church for a long time, but people don't really matter to them. There's a disconnect. And the reason why the disconnect is there is because we're so focused on their actions. 
instead of focusing on God. When you focus on God, you can overlook the action and look to the person. I'm not saying you excuse the action. You just don't let the action affect your thought pattern about them. But that's not, everybody's like, well, that's really hard to do. It, it is. And the we, reason it is is because we try to be insane people. And what that means is we try to fix the problem doing it the same way we've been doing it. We need to do it a different way in order to fix the problem. Because insanity defined is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. If I go to McDonald's and I keep eating uh, uh, Big Macs, quarter pounders, French fries, and I'm just doing that all, I should only expect one result. I'm going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And if I get it supersized, I'm going to get bigger faster. But if I say, you know what, I'm going to not go to McDonald's as often. Or if I say, look, I'm just not going to eat the bread. I'm not going to drink the soda. But, uh, you know, uh, then all of a sudden I'm making some different decisions. I can even use the same restaurant and I can get better results. So you can go to the same church. And if you keep using the same things that the church has always been doing, you're not going to get different results. You can be in the same church, change how you do things, and then get better results and see a church fill up. Amen? Amen? Come on, that's good. So we need to refocus our energy, right? Uh, we need to reach people because people matter. And this is the third thing. And the last thing right here, renew your relationship with God. Huh? Yeah. Renew your relationship with God. 2 Peter 3, 13-14 says this. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So he's talking to people who are believers who are looking forward. He said, make every effort. to. I'll, I'll tell you what, you cannot remove your spots. You cannot get rid of your blame, and you cannot be without peace without Jesus. That's the only way. 